Good afternoon and welcome to And Now for Something Completely Machinima, the podcast about machinima, virtual production, and related technologies. I'm joined here by my co-hosts, Damian Valentine and Tracy Harwood. In absentia is Ricky Grove. He'll be back with us next week. We're excited to have him back. So we're going to talk about a film that we actually, we had to arm wrestle over <laughs> to decide who would get to make it their pick. I uh, It came up thank you YouTube algorithm for delivering this up to me. And I came over to our little message board to post this film and found that somebody had already posted it there. It's a fairly recent release. So we all stumbled upon it at the same time, I guess. And so I had to beg and, and plead. And thankfully, uh, uh, Tracy had another pick, a very good one, which actually I, I had mentioned when we were talking about a Stardust project that it would be interesting to compare these two side by side. So it may be that we'll end up referencing the Astartes Project review a little bit as we discuss this one, um, if I do end up bringing up that comparison. So if so, be sure to check back uh, three episodes or so and uh, find our review of Astartes Project. And yeah, you could, you could listen to that as well if you wanted to. So this film is called Patient Zero. Um, the full title, Patient Zero, A Half-Life Short. I'm terrible at attribution here. Who is this made by? The Perry-God. Perry-God, P-A-R-R-Y, God. Not his first or only Half-Life short, and um, frankly, all of the ones that I've seen, quite impressive. Uh, but this this film is, uh, it's something special. Um, I'll, I'll kind of set the stage for it. So uh, you, you've got a, a, a group of what look like militarized police, some kind who are uh, i'm going to try and tell it without leaning on the half-life lore if i can because if you know the half-life lore this will instant the setting will be instantly recognizable you know this, this scenario you know military police they're storming uh some kind of a rundown civilian building there are people uh civilians huddled up there you know quietly waiting and anticipating that uh you know these guys are going to find them and they're all armed and and ready to try and defend themselves and uh, the police zero in and there's a confrontation uh, that takes place uh it's just wonderfully done uh with there is some dialogue in this that helps helps drive the story frankly it it could have worked just as fine with with even less dialogue but the dialogue that does happen, it fits, it feels appropriate, um, and uh, is, is relatively well acted. It was not, not everyone that did the voiceover was, was well mic'd, so maybe this was one where the voiceover work was farmed out and not everyone had great equipment or whatever. We've, we've any of us who've made these movies, we've all seen that before. Um, it happens, uh, but the uh, the writing is good. And the the action sequence once the once it kicks into gear is quite extraordinary, uh, and much of it I, I honestly don't know how they did it. Assuming that this was filmed primarily in the Half Life Two engine, um, things with regard to destructive environments and that kind of thing, you know, holes being blown into walls and things like that. Uh, maybe I just don't know much about how this engine works, but it's pretty, pretty impressive looking um, 
however those effects were achieved. Um, and some really tasteful directorial decisions too. There's, there's one key moment uh, when the action really kicks off where there's an explosion and they don't actually show the explosion. They show right up to the last millisecond before it goes off. You know that's what's happening. But then it's almost as if for that moment they put us into uh, into the point of view of one of the people waking up after the explosion has happened. You know, it's like it's like we were blacked out as well. Wonderfully done effect. Um, I don't know. I I, I have a thing for uh, tasteful choices like that. You know, because the obvious route is just show the explosion, and they probably could have done so rather well. Uh, which makes me think that that wasn't them working around a limitation of the engine. That was a, a deliberate choice by the director to let's do it this way um, for impact. And it works. Works really well. So um, I just absolutely loved this film. Uh, I feel like that that the scenario, while it strikes the right balance with, if you know the Half-Life lore, it's right in there like a glove. Like it's it's just you instantly it fits. And if you don't, it works completely and utterly. Like it's it's immediately apparent. Before I hand it off to you guys, I'll I'll mention some of the comments that I'd made on a Stardust project that one of my one of the things that confounded me was I wasn't sure where where these two sides stacked up on, I guess, a moral scale, if you would, good guys and bad guys type of thing, you know, typical, you know, the bad guy, black hat, good guy, white hat, cowboy thing, you know, um, those things are helpful sometimes to the audience. Um, <clears throat> there was ambiguity with that in a Stardust project. And as Damien ended up pointing out to me, there's ambigu ambiguity about that in that game universe, that nobody's really a, a good guy or a bad guy. It's, it's more morally gray for everyone. Half-Life 2 world, not so much. Not really. You know, the, the Half-Life 2 world, the world has been overtaken by an alien race, and it's it's a totalitarian disaster. Um, very oppressive environment. Um, and it's pretty clear right from the get-go. You know, if, if you have if you don't know the Half-Life 2 world, if you've read Orwell's 1984. It feels like something that could be set in that type of world where, you know, real people, if you will, free citizens are few and far between. Hmm. I see. Are few and far between and they're scared because they don't have the power and they barely have scraped together what they can to defend themselves. But clearly, clearly they are at a disadvantage, a big, big disadvantage. And they're being hunted. So it's very easy to instantly relate to what's happening here um and i think i think that there's a strength in that doesn't mean every movie has to be that way but when it is it, it's i don't know it's helpful it's it's one less thing for me to occupy part of my brain trying to figure out instead i can just focus on what's being laid out before me so i loved that about this i i feel like that uh in most regards visually this is indistinguishable from the level of animation that you'd see coming out of Lucasfilm's animation studio, you know, for uh, Bad Batch or um, 
the latest Clone War, you know, the, the end of Clone Wars where they really upped the visual game on it. Hmm. And then now Bad Batch, they continue to push it forward. And this is right on that level, in my opinion. Um, someone who's a pro would might have some nitpicks that they could find that I wouldn't see, but it's extraordinarily good. And the story is is it's only a it's only a segment of a story. You know, there's there's not much that's wanting for the beginning of the story. You don't necessarily need much there, but there is a sense at the end of it of there's more to tell. There's more to come here. This is just really a chapter. This is an event. Actually, the way that they characterize it with a little bit of subtitle, which I thought was nice, was uh, setting it that, you know, this is before the uprising, which you don't even have to know what that means. You know, it's clearly there's totalitarianism and something's going to happen. So this is... Uh, Patient Zero, I think, and Tracy, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Patient Zero is a metaphorical reference to this is where it starts. You know, yeah. this is this is this is uh oh I don't know, where where in the Star Wars canonical movies and shows, Damien, does the rebellion really kick off? I it feels like that they've tried to do that a few different times. Yeah. Um Andor, you know, the Andor series plays with that idea, although it seems like it's already in motion there. I don't know, but this is distilling it down to this is patient zero means this is the first. So this is exactly where that uprising that they re referenced really briefly begins. It's all very intriguing, and it's a story that I would want to follow and uh, and and see more of if there was more of it to tell. So what did you guys think? I but very, like you just said, I would very much like to see another chapter of this to see where it's going. Um, initially, I watched it. I thought I don't know Half Life that well, but I recognise the, the the soldier characters with the mask because that's a very distinctive Half Life yes. design. And I thought this is not made with Half Life Two as a game engine because it. I was looking at the background, the things were happening. I was thinking this is not something that that engine is capable of doing. So it's not okay. Um, okay. So I looked at, in the description of the video. It says they use Source Two Filmmaker, hmm. and I think we've commented on before that is a really difficult piece of software to learn how to use. Um, so this team of people who, who made this have obviously spent a huge amount of time mastering Source Two Filmmaker, and the end result is this film that we've just watched. And to interject real quick, so are you saying that? When they call it a Half-Life short, they're referring to the world of Half-Life. Yes. But it's, and it and it's actually the engine, the same engine as Half-Life, but it's not using the game. Yeah, it's the Source 2 right? filmmaker. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Got um, it. Which my understanding is you can use any Source engine assets in the Source 2 filmmaker. Um, but uh, it's not something I want to take on because I've heard how difficult it is to use. Um, well, and they've, they've got a custom character in there, don't they? I mean, isn't the main kind of bruiser guy uh the main soldier is that a character from the half-life game I, I i've played through the whole thing i don't ever remember seeing anything quite like that it's very unique looking he's kind of i don't know he's kind of doughy looking like he's maybe not in the best physical shape under <laughs> that uniform and stuff it's really interesting you don't you don't see game characters like that very often you know all the combine soldiers are very 
you know, they could take off their uniform. They're probably on the cover of Men's Health magazine. I was you just going to say, very buff. Very I trim, think is what and, you might call. and they eat they eat vegetarian and oh. all that. And this guy looks like he 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 loves some Doritos and and uh, pizza <laughs> a few times a week. You know, it's it's interesting. I don't all know right. if that's all just the bulk of the uniform, but anyway, sorry to distract. Guys, so it's quite a list of software. So uh, there's Blender and um, the HLA workshop tools, which I guess are the mod tools for Half Life. Um, so obviously they took that original model and modified it to create their. Okay. I don't, when I say hero character, I don't mean he's a heroic character. I mean, like he's a center character in the story. Right. And the other soldiers are, you know, they're, they're the background ones. So just they're right. a bit more uniform. Um, so, you know, to make him stand out a bit more. Um, and obviously it worked. Uh, yeah. You know, there's things like the, the these you know the opening shot when they go in the building and the, the trees are blowing in the wind and there's things you know leaves on the ground and i thought yeah Half life can't do that not 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 like this um which is why you know, i got very curious yeah the action sequence it's very easy to do an action sequence in a game engine it's very hard to do one this well yeah because uh, you know obviously games are designed for action because you know that that's the main purpose of you know running around shooting and it's especially something like half-life but to do it this well and i need to go back and watch it again because it's very inspiring the way they did it and um i know i've said this before about other films that have impressed me in similar ways you know, you watch something like this and then you want to learn how they did it even if you're using a different platform just to get an idea of this is you know you want to be this good that's, that's kind of the highest compliment i can think of is this, I, I like what you did i want to learn how to do it so i can apply something similar to my own work and you know the action sequence kind of inspired that in me and um it's kind of it really sold this claustrophobic and dark atmosphere that the, the half-life um games especially the second one has and it, it feels right um so yeah, I was just very impressed by it. So it's an excellent choice, Phil. I think I think the action sequence when it really kicks off, the action sequence in this is so good. I'm not confident that I even have the skill set to dissect it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Much yeah. less reproduce it, yeah. but to actually even fully understand the decision making that went into this, because it's so easy to just throw a bunch of action up on the screen and it can be very disorienting to the viewer, you know, and you don't get that from this at all. I mean, it's just so, it's so good, man. It's just so good that there's so much chaos happening. And yet there's not a moment that you don't know what's going on. You know, that is really, really, really impressive. I mean, there's, there's, countless hollywood movies that have that have action scenes that don't get anywhere near this in mm. terms of quality that that are completely disorienting or that just make no sense or yeah it's it's just exceptional so yeah i don't i don't even know if i, I agree this was worthy of study but it's something that's so good that it's like am i even qualified to be a student of this <laughs> that's what make, it makes me yeah. think you know it's like i wow it's so far out there and it is inspiring yeah. Tracy, what do you think? Yeah. Well, you've you've both said it all for me, really, but I have got a few additional ones. I'll just sort of say the, the, the you know, the kind of notes that I sort of made. I, I was I was blown away by this. It, it was gorgeous. Um, 
some amazing camera shots of the I think you call them combine, don't you? Are they are they called yes. combine? Yeah, combine so soldiers, I think, or yeah. Combine. Yeah. So yeah, they're uh, the, all the grunts or whatever. And this accompanying kind of soldier. I mean, stunning uh, detail in it. Raiding a building in which there's a, a group of people hiding, but you don't know what they're hiding from. Not other than the fact of being caught, but caught for what? You don't ever find out. Um, which is, I that to me was the ambiguity that I really liked in this story, that we talked about ambiguity a lot this month, but that's where I quite liked that. Now, what I really liked about this was the camera angles throughout, the way that that um, camera focus was used to tell the story and um, and the editing of it um, was, was just brilliant. Um, I think probably what I liked less about it was not being able to understand what the soldier was saying. The, the, the do you call it vocoding, synthetic voice thing? Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. was just too obscure for me to follow. Couldn't make it out. But then again, I don't think the point of it was actually that you do follow it or make any sense of the words because what you got was the you know the 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 sign language being used and you completely understood um what was going on from the sign language but i found that vocoding stuff a little bit frustrating because i i wanted to know what he said but i just never got it the bit that i really enjoyed the the, the bit that really was outstanding to me was the use of that drone and the mm. role that it played in taking you through the scene it it kind of was a colorful um you know it was a, it was a it was a, a point of contrast to a very gray and and hazy kind of scene and it was it was crystal in what it was showing you and the way that it was moving around and just the pop of it on the screen was was just brilliantly well done i thought um but also what it conveyed was the fact that you could cut the atmosphere with a knife i mean how did they do that that was that was just so well done. That to me was the outstanding cinematic design of the whole film. The fact that you could feel that atmosphere by the fact that they've got this other thing in there that just did the job for you. Really, really, it's very smart. Um, and then all the people, I think one of them was Alex. And I think from what I was reading about this is it kind of sat between uh, Half-Life Alex and, and one of the other storylines I think but I saw Alex was one of or I thought I saw Alex as one of the characters and there was maybe five or six of these characters in there and the the bit like like you've, you've already said the interaction between them and the the unfolding of that um you know that sort of battle scene was just so beautifully orchestrated and choreographed um you just you know, you cut. You got a complete sense of a team thing going on between them, even though what you actually saw of them was not very much at all. Uh, and I thought that was great. How did they do that? That was that was my thought on that. Really, that that sort of choreographic brilliance. Um, and the you know the 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 thing that you um, highlighted, Phil, where the you know, where the explosion went off and you you were sort of blown away and then you landed and, and that deafening thickness, you know, that you kind of imagine when you've been blown up. Not yeah. that I ever have. But you that just was, I mean, what a little detail, but but so well done. I mean, so, so everything in the sound design worked really, really well for me. I guess if I'm being super critical, the scene at the beginning 
where they focus on the mist and the and the wind. Um, that just went on a tiny bit too long, just a tiny bit. I know there was a I know what it was doing. It was kind of scene setting for the for the actual raid part, but it, it just went on a little bit too long. And then there were sort of lots, lots or a few gratuitous small animal shots, rodents and cats. And the detail of them was wonderful. But in the end, I wasn't really sure what they were meant to add. And and in the end, they they didn't really add very much um, because the real, you know, the, the real sort of party piece of this was actually that choreographed um, fight, uh, you know, battle. Um, I thought the outcome was really unexpected, um, given the, the hype of what the raid was going to be from that sort of extended introduction. Um, I have to say, I, you know, just, you know, assuming that we know nothing about Half-Life when we're watching a film like this, I was never sure whose side I was supposed to be on, given where it started. Um, and I think that's, you know, to the point that you made when we were talking about Astartes as well. Uh, as uh, you know are these good guys are these bad guys what are they what are they doing what's the what's the story world here well I that where it ended I wasn't sure what the relationship was between these two factions as they were portrayed in in this as a story not this as a game that was that was my thought on this one um and then I will sort of say that the the the, the the parry god's attention to detail in the design of the characters is actually i think the most outstanding achievement here i when i was looking i was not at all surprised to see that he posts these models um uh, on his own accounts as well so you can actually find pictures of these models on his flickr account and i've no doubt that if you go looking you can probably download them as as models and use them in your own stuff no doubt you'd you'd pay to do the to do that. So he's a character creator, I think, from what I, I've seen. Um, but I really love this. I thought it was really, really well done. I love that, the, you know, that atmosphere that was created through this. And it, it was just a, a great film. Stood stood up really well, I thought. Brilliant. Yeah, it's interesting. The uh, I feel like that for most of the, the way that these Combine soldiers are portrayed in the actual game, they're kind of portrayed like stormtroopers were in Star Wars originally, where they're these basically unquestioning automatons, you know, that just they just follow orders. That's it. They don't really have personalities. Uh, that all changed, uh, I think, primarily if we're talking just canon in the first of the Star Wars sequels, where, you know, our um, is it Finn? Yeah, uh, is revealed that he's a stormtrooper who's who's questioning all this, and also it's like all of a sudden stormtroopers. I think that there was some play with the idea of, of stormtroopers are just guys who have signed up for the the military. Essentially, there's a lot of discussion of that that's happened in other Star Wars shows and in the comics and things like that. But in terms of the real movies, that was never done before, and all of a sudden it's like you can't look at stormtroopers the same way anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, these are just people mm. and and i feel like that the way that the combine soldiers were presented in the half-life game for the most part they were like stormtroopers were looked at before that happened 
but there's and there's never been really a moment in the Half-Life canon that I know of where Combine soldiers are revealed to just be um, regular Joes. Um, there's been a lot of fan fiction stuff that's done stuff with that stuff that's you know uh, to the point of having them be uh, comedic and and red versus blue style conversations happening between them and stuff like that. Uh -huh. But this film standalone, you really got a sense that these let's call them police officers or combine soldiers. They were humans, you know, they were people. They probably had someone to go home to at the end of the day kind of thing, you know? So I, I get it, Tracy, that, you know, even though having played the games, there's this ingrained to me, the com guy, combines the bad guys, the, you know, the, the regular people are the good guys. But no, it's, it's, it's not really portrayed that simple and cut and dry in this short, is it? It's, it's, that these are guys just doing their job, you know, uh, and, you know, who knows why they're coming to, to get these, these people that are holed up right now, they look afraid and meek. And we're just going to assume that because they're not wearing masks that they're good, but can we really assume that, you know, did they just recently blow up a building or, or you know, murder somebody, uh, you know, and these are the police coming to put them down so yeah it's some of the assumptions i think that i find it very easy to fall into with this story of the the totalitarian regime and these people are you know the, the regular citizens um no I, I i i think there's room in this story to interpret it other ways like what you talked about tracy so it's it's interesting um i liked a lot of the editing in this too um, there's one shot in particular and it's when it's the first time we get a glimpse of the people inside the building mm. the camera is following behind the soldiers as they're walking up and then the camera tilts up and just kind of slightly zooms in on a window up in the building yes and then the next shot is inside that window looking out and then the next shot is further into the interior of the room and then the next shot is the people yeah we've we've mentioned the phrase cinematic language so many times on this podcast it should probably we should probably rank in the top of google search results for it <laughs> that is textbook yeah. yeah how do i get from here to there and keep the audience with me so they know exactly where this is yeah beautiful yeah. simple and again textbook just just great great stuff so not every editing decision in this was that was that great but a lot of them were and the overall sense like i said especially when the chaos really goes down the fact that it's not disorienting uh, that you still know where you are you know basically what's happened um that's a skill it's a real skill i think if if i have a it's, it's hard to believe that i have any criticism of this film from how i've gushed about it but i do i think the one thing that it lacks that it lacks most is names names for the characters even if we're only even if the filmmaker's intention is this is the only short that's going to happen with these characters so who cares what their names are i do i do you know if if it's if it's julie and steve i want to know that you know because then it's, it, it, it changes the stakes a bit. And the thing that was a little, I don't know, a little bit disappointing to me 
and and kind of humorous too was these characters aren't named even like not only are they not named in the film like their names aren't mentioned and they don't refer to each other by name you know one of them's telling the other you know shut up or be quiet whatever they don't say shut up dave or you know shut up lisa it's you know don't worry stacy it's going to be okay that would be a great way to introduce at least a little bit of names in it to where these are individuals these are real people with real lives not just faces but they aren't even named behind the scenes and i know this because i because of what made me not have as much trouble tracy on understanding the vocoder uh speak is because i cheated i had subtitles turned on oh did you ah. <laughs> i did I, I tend to watch stuff that way because i watch it at a low volume and they happen to be on when this came up so i got i got it like just fed right to me right there oh what did he say <laughs> so i don't know how to objectively evaluate could i understand him or not because i just read it you know i cheated oh, well there you go but those subtitles are on and the way that they did their subtitles is it's for most of them it's character name colon and then the line and the character names are let me just go through some of them here uh see if you can can figure out the uh the pattern that they used to name characters rebel revolver rebel ak <laughs> okay rebel shotgun <laughs> As someone who really hates naming characters, I can oh, completely understand where they come it, from. Yeah, you can. It's a behind-the-scenes thing, but it's like, I don't know. If it were me, I think I would be embarrassed when it yeah. came time to do subtitles. Like, all right, I'm going to come up with something, at least to put in the subtitles. Oh, do you know that? That's let it, it down a Rebel bit. AK. That, that let it down a little bit, because I, I thought it was very well done. I really, I honestly thought I heard names. Maybe I'm well, making it thing, up. That, I don't know the, if I the, did or not. The, yeah, the way they were presented, it was uh, there was a human, there was a humanity to the way they were characterized. I'm not, I'm not yeah. taking anything away from that at all. But yeah, it appears that the characters didn't have names, even like in in behind the scenes, <laughs> they didn't have any names. Um, and I think that that little detail um, would have just made something that's already probably my favorite. Um, film of this type that i've seen in 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 the past year okay, so would have made it even better question for you phil what was yeah. vocoders vocode codings behind the scenes name what was oh, okay it? let's see it wasn't steve <laughs> uh, let's see large man with drone oh was he a man Okay, so the 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 oh, you've got a vocoding thing going on. Spike wall, there. spike wall, spike wall. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Overwatch That's... is the name given to the the kind of the, the public address system voice that broadcasts that... to the building before they went in. Overwatch, Overwatch actually works as a name for that, right? Right. Because who knows? It's probably an AI voice or something. Uh, um. Yeah, Spike Wall, I think, is the name of the character anyway, isn't it? The the, the soldier. Oh, see, uh, here we go. The the guy driving the truck, CP driver. <laughs> Combine <laughs> patrol driver. Yeah. So anyway, <clears throat> and I don't mean to to 
make fun or be unreasonable or whatever. Um, but it's one of those things where I, I feel like it's a, a detail that, that, that would have added to something that's already great um, and, and made it even a little bit better. Even if the intent was to never make any more, you know, to not continue this story. It's a one-off. Um, but compared to the effort that went into all the other parts of the production of this, to me, that seems like a small, yeah, small effort. But it, it uh, I don't know, it matters. Um, one last thing I'll mention too, Tracy, is that the drone was very evocative to me as well, and and uh, not just for the the technical aspect of it, but I think the, you know, that sense that I mentioned earlier that that it's very clear who has the upper hand here in terms of power and technology and that to me that was a a great symbol of that of they've they've got this tech that the the people they're going after don't they they can't hide the people cannot hide this thing will see them through walls through doors through everything uh which yeah which makes the outcome of this uh that much more impressive uh, and interesting that in spite of that huge disadvantage um and not without loss but they did find a way to uh to have a victory of sorts in in this battle um i don't know it's 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 a good story it's good it's a it's a yeah. great little film yeah i really so, enjoyed it great picture yeah i think that's it anyone have anything else to say about this one no no i think we covered okay. it i think that the the uh, the creator, the Perry God, that's what he is on uh, uh, YouTube, P-A-R-R-Y. Um, quite a bit more other, uh, quite a few other films. And in my personal opinion, this is the best that he's done. Um, it's from about a month ago is all the, that's how long ago it was released. But he's got around half a dozen films and they're great. They're They're really good. They're of this caliber. For sure. So, if you liked this one, there's more, more to be seen, and it looks like he's continuing to, uh, to produce stuff. He's got a. He does not have a Patreon. Oh yes, he does. I thought he did. Yeah, he's got a Patreon. Um, there's probably some additional exclusive content there for uh, for supporters. Um, he's got one of those buy me a coffee things too, if you wanted to show him support, but. Uh, um, yeah, very, very interesting uh, work here, and I'm excited to see see more. It looks like they're producing something about they're they're putting out a few shorts a year for the past couple of years, and that's that's pretty impressive. Oh yeah, to, to put out stuff of this quality on that kind of schedule is uh, that's impressive. So I'll be yeah, so I'm glad, I, glad I stumbled upon it. Yeah, I'm Thanks for letting me win the tug of war, Tracy. <laughs> Sorry, go on. I was just saying. I <laughs> yes. Keep going. Keep going. No. Um, like I say, I'm going to check out the rest of his channel to see what else he's done because I really enjoyed that and I want to see more. I must admit, it's I do as it. well. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. Great film. Really good film. I really enjoyed it. I think this is the best one for me all month, actually. Hmm. All right. Well, that should do it for this month. So, um, I guess we'll uh, we'll sign off and we'll look forward to our next episode where Ricky will be back with us. And uh, Tracy, Damien, thank you again. And everyone have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye.